me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 32 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I am your host and fellow Metallica fan, my name is Brandon. On this episode I'm joined by Stuart Kerwin, a video editor from the UK who has done work for the BBC, the Biography Channel, and much, much more. The reason he is on this here podcast, however, is because one, he is a big Metallica fan, and two, he put those video editing skills to use by making a documentary called Hypnotizing Power, The Story of Master Puppets. The documentary can be found on his YouTube channel and by clicking the link in the episode description. I highly recommend it. You might be thinking it is your typical fan-made YouTube video, but I assure you this is of the highest quality and is really, really well done. But do not just take my word for it. Check it out either before or right after you listen to our conversation. And plus, the numbers do not lie. It's currently at over 600,000 views and counting on YouTube. Before we jump into my conversation with Stu, I do want to plug one thing. On Friday, August 28th at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, Metallicast will be going live for our monthly live stream. Now, you might recognize August 28th as the release date of SM2, and this Metallicast Live is going to celebrate the release of that album with a special release party featuring two very special guests. Bassist Scott Pingle and Principal Harper's Doug Ryeth of the San Francisco Symphony will be joining me. Scott was the bassist who played Anesthesia Pulling Teeth along with Lars Ulrich at SM2. And Doug is the famous tattooed harpist for the making of SM documentary from the original. And Doug is also one of the symphony members who performed at both SM events. So please tune into the Metallicast Live SM2 release party with Scott Pingle and Doug Wright of the San Francisco Symphony on Friday, August 28th at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on the at Metallicast Pod Facebook page and the Fans.Expert YouTube page. Now here's my conversation with Stuart Kerman about his documentary, Hypnotizing Power, the story of Master Puppets. I am joined by Stuart Kerwin. He is a video editor and motion graphics artist. He has done work for BBC, A&E Networks, The Biography Channel, and many more. But the reason he is on this here podcast is because he is also a Metallica fan. He has a YouTube channel, which you can find a link to in the episode description. And on his YouTube channel, he released a, a great documentary that he edited together called Hypnotizing Power, the Story of Master of Puppets. It is really, really well done. Um, Stu, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So I was saying before we started recording how uh, I started hearing about this documentary uh, that you put together about Master Puppets called Hypnotizing Power. and. It, it, it got enough of a buzz among Metallica fans where it's like, all right, I got to sit down and check this out. And I was really surprised at how well done it was because you're not really expecting something of that caliber perhaps on uh, YouTube, um, but it's just really well done and is spreading among Metallica fans. I believe it has like over 600,000 views or something crazy like that. Um, so congratulations yeah. on the success of it. And, you know, it, it just really, really is well done. Yeah, I mean, I still don't really know how it picked up that quick <laughs> or like where the views have come from because no one's sort of really endorsed it or anything like that. Yeah. So it's literally has just been, I guess, word of mouth. And I think a lot of it came down for maybe the sort of YouTube suggested. Yeah. Like 
the fans watch one video, YouTube suggests this, it goes on from there. But yeah, to, for it to get to almost, well over six hundred thousand views in was it three or four months? It's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, if it stays on track, you'll be at that big million mark before long. Yeah, you know? I'd be. Yeah, I was not expecting anything like that. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to jumping more into the documentary in a bit, um, talking about how you put together and, you know, the how, the why, and all that yeah. good stuff. Uh, but I want to back up a little bit and start okay. sort of um, at the beginning of your Metallica fandom. Do you remember the first time you heard the band and what your reaction was and just how you became a fan? Um, I think the very first memory I can ever remember of hearing them was probably around St. Anger time. I remember... I remember St. Anger single coming on music. I mean, that was what, probably 15 years old around around that time. So I kind of remember that single coming out. And I remember seeing them on, was it the MTV Music Awards where they did like the medley of, they did like a Billie Jean into oh, yeah. Seven Nation. Yeah. yeah, I remember seeing that. I was 15, I didn't really know much about music. So I just knew these cool riffs. I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> then, I think it was probably a few years later. I think it was, it would have been S- um, SNM, which really was my first sort of, yeah, this is awesome. Then taking it from there and just backtracking from there. Awesome. So your introduction to the band was St. Anger, a very controversial and polarizing album. So do you hold that album in high regard because it was sort of your entry point or? No, because it wasn't the album that I remember. Initially, it was just the single. I remember, right, I just yeah. remember hearing the single on music channels back when I was yeah. in high school. So that's that's just the earliest memory. I don't that never really sort of got me in, into them much. I just remember hearing that song. It wasn't until a couple of years later when I did what I was watching the uh, DVD of SNM. It wasn't the album. Yeah, I think I just it's been a blind buy. Just bought SNM and it's like this is amazing. And then yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there and then you traveled back in time and yeah yeah i had a friend in college who was like a massive metallica fan so he was kind of my sort of guru into it all like oh listen to to that yeah i had to do the same i had a different entry point because of my age but i uh you know load came out when i was in sixth grade and uh, my introduction to the band was the black album but load was like the first cd i ever owned and i thought you know, I was in third, fourth, fifth grade, um, and I thought these were the only two Metallic albums that existed. <laughs> I was young and stupid, and then I remember getting my first CD player in sixth grade, and I went to my local record store. And I was like, let me just look under the Metallica section. I was like, they have four other albums? And then I, you know, started my uh, my yeah. journey and uh, did my homework and educated myself as to the history of this band and the rest is history as they say. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so being a fan of the first SM, have you had a chance to experience SM two at all? In any yeah, case? I went to see it when it got the uh, theater release. I was there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't actually go. It was a, bit, a little bit far from me. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was a little bit far from me and I live in the country. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the theater release was, as far as I've got so far, but yeah, yeah looking forward to the box set. Yeah, I, I, I haven't plumped for that one. I didn't. I'm not plumped for it. I think I'm just going to get the Blu-ray to start with. Yeah, I've been going back and forth as to what bundle I want to get. It is hard for me to justify spending three hundred dollars yeah. to to the misses um, 
to get, you know, uh, SNM2, especially when we have a baby at home. But uh, I, I'm especially in the correct time as well. Yeah, exactly. So I'm thinking yeah. uh, probably like the CD Blu-ray bundle might be more my uh, more my speed to begin with. Anyways, yeah. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I I also saw it back in theaters. Um, but you know, that's just such a fleeting memory now because you only get to experience once for a couple hours and then all these months go by so i'm looking forward to hearing it again and seeing again and experiencing it again and it's supposed to be a a different mix um yeah so i'm really looking forward to see what they've done with it because i i really enjoyed it when i saw it yeah so it's only a few weeks away so well depending on when this is released it could already be out yeah this will be out before the release on uh august 28th so I always ask this question to first time guests because I, I always yeah. find it funny as to like what their entry point is because with a band like Metallica that's been around for almost 40 years now, everybody has a different entry point. You know, some people uh, are old school and they're like, I discovered them on Master Puppets. And then some people are like, I heard them first on Death Magnetic. And uh, yeah. so it's always interesting to me to hear uh, people's entry point and hear their Metallica story. So. You hear S&M, you go backwards, you kind of discover the whole catalog, you become a fan. I want to get to how all that leads you to the documentary, but I feel like we have to kind of fill in a little bit of your background. So I mentioned at the top, you're a video editor, motion graphics artist. Can you kind of break down to us what that means, what that, what, what your job entails? Um, well, primarily I work in sports, so um, a lot of my work is football or soccer for your fan base. Um, <laughs> so I've always, I've always been interested in like video editing. I've done that since I was like fifteen or sixteen, maybe. That's when I first got the bug, and I've always wanted to follow that as a career. Right. Luckily, I've been able to do it. So yeah, I was. So I was a full in full time employment for the majority of my, the beginning of my career. I'm not, not that old yet, and then I went self employed around two or three years ago, which ended up me finding that I've got a lot more free time. And I was like, well, I don't want to just waste this free time. I'd, I'd like to work on something, keep myself busy, and work on something right. that's a bit of a passion project. Yeah. So that's sort of what led to the uh, hypnotizing power documentary excellent so why metallica are they did they become your favorite band or do you just f- found this band to be have an interesting enough history to put this together um it was definitely well metallica are my favorite band so it's like there's a few sort of different bands or films or tv series i'm sort of really quite obsessive about metallica is one yeah. of them and um, and I'd always sort of liked the idea of making a documentary. I figured, well, you can either wait for an opportunity to come along and work on it professionally, and it might not be might not be something you're that interested interested in, right. or just do it yourself, sort of thing. So I thought, yeah, I've got the time. Uh, once the the looks box set came out, that was sort of like the indication of okay, there's a lot of material that I can work with as well. Yeah. So that was sort of just set the ball rolling a little bit. So what gravitated you towards Master Puppet specifically? Was it just seeing, you know, the the what was out there, like you said in the box set, or is that like, you know, your favorite album, or you just recognize that it's a you know historic release in the 
in heavy metal or well, it, it is my favorite album so obviously that helped a lot and yeah. um like and i think originally my original plan when i first really started getting the ball rolling was i was thinking maybe just doing a documentary about the entire story of metallica from you know the entire career right and then i think quickly realized that is going to be a mammoth undertaking one of my very good friends uh, is called eastwood allen he's a fellow editor as well and he made a doc he made a documentary in the similar vein a fan-made unauthorized documentary this was on john mayer which obviously is not a big crossover between fandom and john mayer and metallica but great it, guitarist though exactly as i was going to say if you're interested in just guitar music because his his passion for John Mayer is similar to ours is for Metallica. It's like yeah, cuts through the bullshit, and it's the music sort of thing. Yeah, that's how he went about his. But his documentary was very much the same approach, told through his words from archive interviews. So I sort of saw his. I was like, well, you know, it is possible to do it that way. So that was kind of like the proof of the pudding. Like this can be done myself sort of thing yeah, yeah. and he was the one that actually also suggested doing it on master of puppets rather than the entire career as i said yeah the career documentary i can see being a very daunting task of yeah and especially like the amount of detail i would have wanted to put into right, it right yeah I, I, I wouldn't it be halfway through it by now i don't think well you know what's funny is that earlier today um i was thinking about i was thinking ahead to talking to you and i was like you know it's interesting that he chose Master of Puppets rather than uh, another album, which, you know, led mm -hmm. me to wanting to ask you that question. But then I was thinking, you know, as many interesting moments in their history that could be focused into a documentary, like you said, Master of Puppets, despite it being this historic monumental release, is sort mm -hmm. of been ignored on the documentary level. You have... You know, there's tons of stuff out there on the Black Album, which obviously was this yeah. huge seller for them. And there's a lot out there around the St. Anger era because that was such a tumultuous time in their career. Yeah. Um, but it, it, some those earlier years, uh, you know, kind of get a bit ignored in the mm. in, when it comes to documentaries for one reason or another. Yeah. I almost think, I don't know if, if it is or isn't, but like one of the biggest challenges i sort of came across was there just isn't a lot of footage from that era in existence yeah so like with black album there's tons and tons of obviously right yeah you got in the recording studio you got your live footage all that sort of thing whereas around the master of puppets era there just isn't that much so right not a, not a lot of visuals to work with yeah i mean you had obviously the technology was different back then not everybody had a a cell phone at the ready to record you yeah. know, all this footage and there was they were just also a band in less demand um yeah you know they were just sort of starting to break and i'm i'm pretty sure most everybody except maybe the band themselves did not think they were going to go on and be the biggest band in the world and have you yeah. know a 40-year career doing this <laughs> just yeah that, that was like the, literally one of the biggest challenges the fact that there wasn't a lot of footage that was kind of Possibly one of the reasons I thought the entire career one was going to be so difficult as well, because there wasn't that much for the Master of the Puppets era. There's definitely not going to be much for Ride the Lightning and Kill Them All. <laughs> right. Yeah, you just get less and less as you yeah. get towards the beginning of their career. Mm. What was the process of putting together this documentary? How did you approach this project, and how did you ultimately execute it? I 
think originally it was just sourcing the interviews as in like how to tell the story because obviously i can't tell i'm not i didn't want to do like a voiceover or anything like that right I'm, you know i did if i was going to do it i wanted to be told in the words of people that were there it's obviously the band members and then mm-hmm. a little bit of fleming producer and then so it was just scouring youtube or wherever i could find for as many interviews as i possibly could find listening to them all transcribing them logging them making sure i had enough to tell the story right like at first i wasn't sure whether to just do it in the sort of the general classic albums format you'd see where it's just kind of an, of an overview i i knew rich i knew quite early on that i would have liked to have gone through it track by track mm-hmm. i just wasn't sure if there was going to be enough especially i mean damaging and leopard messiah especially there just wasn't a lot right about those two tracks so they do kind of get brushed over a little bit because i just didn't have uh, the content to work with yeah. so it was the first sort of process was definitely listening to the interviews and have i got enough to tell the story and that's why the deluxe box set helped because there was so much interviews on that around that time they really sort of promoted it heavily right yeah yeah, yeah. interviews so they did um Lars's is electric. They did the two part special, which was yeah. just an absolute gold mine of material I could use. And then Lars popped up on quite a lot of different radio interviews here and there and Kirk did a couple. So there was a lot of retrospective stuff being said as well. So that's when I realized, yeah, there's actually quite a lot to work with here. That must have taken you quite a long time to dig yeah. through all of that. Do you have any idea? I'm sorry? I did calculate towards like when I'd finished it, I was like thinking, how much have I gone through? And I think it was like, I think it was about 14 hours or so of interviews wow. that I must have gone through. Yeah. And it was at that point, you're like, good thing I just focused on Master Puppets. <laughs> it was a good job I transcribed it because um, I could then quickly go back and then just type in. Right. Like, and I'd sort of log yeah, each yeah. like uh, meticulously. I really liked how you formatted it. I liked the the track by track and sort of it, it, it allowed you to kind of you walked us through the album mm-hmm. in the band member and producers words um but you also were able to give like a general overview of the significance of that record and yeah i knew i needed to sort of build the scene a little bit as well i know 99 percent of the people that are going to watch it are metallica fans but just in case someone watches that isn't a Metallica fan, I kind of have to set the scene of who right. they are, what's the, the bare bones of the history of right, it. Right, exactly. There's a lot of Metallica film up to date, you know, whether it be a year and a half in the life of, or the classic albums, or some kind of monster, or even the concert films like Cunning Stuns, Through the Never, um, S&M, now S&M 2, to sort of give your overview of your professional opinion on them, so to speak, I mean, if you have a favorite. And then I don't think I've ever sort of thought about them from that point of view, to be honest. It's always just been as a fan and what yeah. I've enjoyed. This might just be completely biased, but I just I like them all, to be honest. Um, <laughs> year and a half of life, I was obviously amazing just because of, I think, the sheer length of it. Yeah. It's almost just like, here's, here's everything. This is for the real, well, not the real, we don't like saying that, but like the diehard fans. Just right, yeah, yeah. Give you everything we've got sort of thing. Yeah, everything in the kitchen sink. 
<laughs> yeah, some, some kind of monster again. That's kind of almost the same, I suppose. It obviously has been edited. And there probably is a lot yeah. of emissions things like that. But it is again kind of warts and all. Just this is what happened, sort of thing. Um, so I, I, I still think that is possibly probably the best music documentary out there. I try to recommend that to as many people that even aren't Metallica fans because I need to tell them like it's a Metallica documentary, but it's not a Metallica documentary sort of thing. It's right. so much better yeah. than that. Yeah, you can definitely enjoy it as a non-fan because it's yeah. more about sort of, well, it gives you the an insight into the inner workings of a massive artist, who, yeah. I, which I think that alone is interesting. But it's also about, you know, pretty much just relationships. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you, you could relate it to uh, a marriage in a lot of ways or, yeah. uh, you know, a longtime friendship or anything of that sort where you, you know, at some point, you're gonna have a disagreement yeah how do you make it work especially when you're the biggest band in the world you know i found that very fascinating and you know they received um it it was an easy target for for a lot of uh people especially you know the haters out there but that's what i liked about it was that they they financed it they released it but it was did not necessarily put them in the best light all the time Mm -hmm. and you know and even just things like you know, offering Robert Trujillo like the million dollars up front, like that's sort of like a kind of a personal thing that I'm not sure too many bands would put in a documentary that yeah. they were releasing on their own. <laughs> it's just so it's raw, isn't it? It's raw as real, and it's yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of pulling out punches kind of thing. It was, it was a bold move, definitely a bold move. Do you have a favorite of their concert films? It's got to be S and M, just because that was the first sort of my first introduction well my first big introduction to the band and it's yeah and it's great you can't really deny that i I think i i agree with you on all accounts i think and i the i am looking forward again to snm2 because i want to live with that for a period of time and see if my opinion of the first snm changes or evolves or you know see which one i prefer down the road because i i've lived with snm since 1999 i cannot I'm not ready to rank SM2 better or worse or anywhere yeah. after just spending two hours with it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, back to Master of Puppets. I, I, I want to have a just a little chat about the sound because it too is my favorite Metallica album. I'm curious, what makes it your favorite from them? Oh, that's a question. Um, it's, it's almost hard to... I don't, I don't really know how you define how it is my favorite of all time because it's my favorite album of all time as well. It's not just my favorite Metallica Same. album. Yeah. I think it's just got everything. You've got thrash, you've got heavy, you've got kind of ballad, you've got your instrumental, right. epics. So you've got sort of all these different flavors, and then it's just, I don't, don't like to use the word perfect, but then it's just all just done perfectly. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just an iconic album. And it's, I was gonna for a reason. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I feel like it's just the perfect record. Mm. There's no filler. Um, that it's just killer from start to finish. And I, I know Ride the Lightning is a popular choice among a lot of Metallica fans, but it, for me, Master Puppets takes what Ride the Lightning did and just makes it even better. And that's not knocking against Ride the Lightning because I love that record too. But yeah, it's sort of a similar blueprint to the Ride the Lightning album, and just up to the next level in terms of musicianship, orchestration, that kind of thing. So yeah, right. 
I mean, but I'm not saying Red Lightning's. No, neither. Me neither. <laughs> Save the hate mail. We both love Ride the Lightning. <laughs> but yeah, Matt, I, I always, I've said it before on this podcast. If, you know, you were saying how the album just has like a great mix of everything. I said, if you take just the song Master Puppets, mm. in that eight minutes, Metallica demonstrates everything that they do best as a band. Yeah. They have the you know the the fast heavy parts the groove heavy parts the the melody the lyrics the musicianship with the interlude and the harmonies and the solos it's just so well written and and structured it's just it's my favorite song it's my favorite album couple quick questions before we tie up here uh you already answered your favorite metallica album do yeah. you have a favorite Metallica song? I don't think I could pick one. <laughs> could anyone pick one? Uh, <laughs> can I have, I'll have three. I'm just going to change the rules and make three. Yes, make I'm three. Battery, Orion, and Fade to Black. Hard to argue with any of that. Three completely different moves there. you got yeah. Crash. you got your kind of, I suppose, Ballad. And then right. instrumental genius with Orion. For me, like I said, Master Puppets would be probably my favorite. But beyond that, it's impossible for me to rank. A, a while back, um, I had somebody give me their favorite song off each album. So I said I would do the same. But I warned everybody that if you ask me two hours from now, <laughs> that answer might change. Um, you know, I... It, it just depends a lot on my mood and, you know, and same thing with the albums. The albums are so different sounding yeah. that, uh, you know, sometimes I'm in the mood for load reload. Sometimes I'm in the mood for kill them all. Mm. Do, with that said, are there any Metallica albums that you sort of like, Oh, you know, there's a lot of polarizing albums in their catalog. Um, depends if you include Lulu as a Metallica album. Uh, <laughs> Say Anger is just, it's not for me. It's, I mean, yeah, I don't think it's as bad as the reputation it gets. Um, but for me, it's not an album I often revisit. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, no, Death Magnetic was like the, my, I suppose that was the first album. That was the first new album for me as a fan. So that right. holds quite a special place for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, obviously, it's quite biased. I mean, I know I'm not the most <laughs> neutral of point of views, but all albums I can listen to. Yeah, I mean, if it makes you feel better, I, I've said this before on the podcast just because I thought it was hilarious, but on Apple Podcasts, somebody gave me a one-star review, <laughs> and the reason was epitome of a fanboy makes me hate being a fan of metallica i was like i it's a fan podcast like did you want me to choose a band that i'm like lukewarm about or hate you know like what do you expect (laughs) yeah metallica Metallica always get the uh those kind of critics as well yeah i'm always interested in hearing that opinion because you know like i said they're so polarizing that you know saint anger alone will get a reaction for the record I consider Lulu a Lou Reed album that Metallica worked on. Um, but I think that's important to bring that, uh, to also make that album part of the conversation. Cause obviously that was, uh, 
a unique record. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, so for me, I like it in Fat Play. Well, it's funny. Uh, I'll just, you know, bridge two of our conversations together because some kind of monster and Saint Anger to me go hand in hand. Yeah. Definitely. And like, I, 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 I like Saint Anger for more of the uh, time period because I find it such an in- interesting, fascinating period of the career. Yeah. More so perhaps than um the music it contains but i found you know those are two like the the movie is such a good companion piece to understand that album more Mm -hmm. and um if you've if you're interested at all i'll recommend i'm not i'm I'm guessing it's still in print there's a book out uh by joe berlinger one of the directors of some kind of monster called this monster lives and it's a whole inside the making of some kind of monster and for me if you take those three things you kind of understand the album a little bit more yeah. and that's what's interesting to me about it but i'll have to check that one out i can't say i've not, not not come across that one yet do you have a favorite band member <laughs> um <laughs> i ask all the hard questions at the end <laughs> i should have warned you i mean you'd be hard pressed not to say james just because well I suppose that's the case with pretty much any band. He's the front man. He's yeah. the, almost the mouth. Well, he's not the mouthpiece as much as Lars is, I suppose. But James, he's <laughs> the, the, the idol, isn't he, really? I, I have to ask you, um, This you just reminded me of a question. Out of the 14 hours or so of interviews, how many of those hours was just Lars? <laughs> 75% easily. Basically, if there's an interview where it's just one member, then it's Lars. Yeah. There's lots of interviews where it was Lars and Kirk or Kirk and Cliff or all together. Yeah. If it's just one person on his own, then it's Lars. That's probably why he's featured in it in the documentary so much more than anyone else, because there's just way more content for Lars. And there's not actually, yeah. I found James was actually, there wasn't a whole lot of material to work with from James. Because obviously, I'm sure he has a very, important and interesting viewpoint on it all but i guess he just doesn't do that many interviews yeah i know in recent years i feel like he it has become a little bit less public mm-hmm. um probably partly to do with you know his rehabilitation and whatnot and his family or whatever the reason may be it's fine obviously it's his choice but I, it's just that's just an observation. Yeah. But it's interesting to me because also in recent years, on the flip side, when he does do an interview, he seems a more open to talk about you know music and Definitely. personal things than he was in the past. Whereas you know when Master Puppets came out, he probably was not talking about the music no. too much. A, a lot a lot of the interviews you see of him from back in the day, if they exist, he was kind of more uh, defensive. He's kind of like a defensive asshole. Like why why are you talking to me? Yeah. Who, who are you? Just listen to the music. You know, like, just sort of, like, um, had that little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, I suppose... I suppose it worked, because you got Lars on the other hand, who was literally... <laughs> you know, well, so good at it. Just let Lars... Well, if you, if you have a Lars in your band, there's no need for anybody ever to speak, so... Lars <laughs> I don't think I would have had a documentary. But that, to me, adds to sort of like the mystique of James Heffield, right? Yeah. He sort of has this, uh, you know, I always think of one of my all-time favorite artists is Johnny Cash. Okay. Another one of my favorite artists is 
Nick Cave, and James Hatfields, I lump into the same category though, because they all three of them sort of have like this down to earth, but also larger than life persona that's sort of shrouded in mystique, yeah. <laughs> like sort of this untouchable figure on stage, you know? So yeah, he, he fascinates me. I, I noticed on your YouTube channel that besides the superb documentary, Hypnotizing Pat, the story of Master of Puppets, um, you had a couple other Metallica related videos you had. Uh, one you recently released sort of uh, it's a brief video about going into the making of hypnotizing power. Yeah. Um, and then you had another video for don't tread on me. Yeah. That was about 10 years ago, maybe, maybe more, maybe less. I can't remember. That was, again, it was a, just a passion project. I found myself yeah. a lot of time on my hands. I think it was before I actually had a job doing this professionally. So it was like, let's work on something sort of trying to create a bit of a portfolio and again it was just a passion project um it's not by by no means one of my favorite songs but um i was interested in that sort of period of history at the time the whole american revolution and right. and out of the songs on black album i don't know i can't remember why i wanted to do a black album song but out of the songs on black album that's possibly the one with the most clear theme that I could sure, yeah. story visually it's a war so i just found a lot of war footage and yeah, yeah again it was a time and one of those projects where i didn't realize how time uh consuming it's gonna be <laughs> ended up i remember having to watch like 10 hours of pbs uh, <laughs> drama the documentary series to find all this american revolution footage yeah so any plans for other metallica videos not in the any not in the near future i'm a lot like the majority of the comments i get on youtube is do justice do red lightning <laughs> yeah. it took me about two years so i don't think i'm yeah ready to go again and i did i did consider maybe it'd be a cool thing to do but again with because if i was going to do another one it probably would be justice next because black album yeah. the story's been told however many times but i just don't think there's as much content to work with yeah. there's more video but interview wise one of the, the biggest assets i had this time around was all those retrospective interviews they did around the time of the deluxe box set for some reason not quite sure why they just didn't seem to do that many when the justice one came out so i don't think i'd be able to approach it in the same way as telling the story for the band members point of view the only one that really stands out to me off the top of my head they did a lengthy mm. one with David Frick from yeah, Rolling That's Stone. when I got the idea. I remember listening to it. And I was like, this could yeah. be the start of something here. Because I was already well into that. I was like, well, maybe after I'm finished. But then, yeah, yeah, there wasn't really anything else. Yeah, so I petered out. Well, Hypnotizing Power is truly fantastic. I hope that it continues to catch on for you. It's, you know, it's the classic Metallica story spreads by word of mouth, yeah. right? Um, so, I highly recommend it, um, you know, as a Metallica fan, as somebody who, whose favorite album is Master Puppets, I really thought it did the album and the band justice, and um, no pun intended. And uh, <laughs> can you can you tell Stu, can you tell everybody uh, where they can find you online? Plug the YouTube channel, um, plug any social that you want to plug or website, um, and I'll be 
and I'll definitely include links to each one in the episode description. Yeah, you said that's a good question. I don't even know what my YouTube channel is. <laughs> my name is Stuart Cohen. Um, I guess it's the quickest way to find it on YouTube would just be to search for hypnotizing power. Spelled the American way yeah. with a Z, not an S, which was, was one way I was like, how do I spell it? Do I spell it the American way that's written by the lyrics or do I stay true to my English roots and spell it with the S? But I went with a Z. Or a Z. Well, I'm I'm such an ignorant, dumb American. I had no clue there was even yeah, an, yeah. another spelling to it. <laughs> well, then I thought I'll, I'll put it up. That'll probably be one of the biggest comments I keep getting. It'll be you spelled it wrong. It's like I'll, I'll stick the Z. That's the way James wrote it in the lyrics. So technically, yeah, that's the way it should be. Do you see any other song lyrics that like drive you crazy because they're American and you're like, that's not how we spell it here? <laughs> no, no. I did get that one. One of the comments was, um, I saw a comment on the documentary the other day about, I can't remember which lyric it is, I think it's in Master of Puppets. And the way the lyrics pop up every now and then, someone's like, oh, you spelled it wrong. I was like, it's literally James's handwriting in the lyric sheet. I haven't written it. Don't blame me. That's how James wrote it in the 80s. <laughs> I'm sure he was not too... Uh focused yeah. on you know spell check when he was doing I've seen that. I, was like, <laughs> I can't change it that's how he wrote it that's how it, his handwriting in the day stay authentic <laughs> so go to youtube search hypnotizing power like i said i'll include a, a link to the youtube channel and the movie itself anything else you want to plug website uh, website i think you can find it through youtube as well it's just stuartcurwin.com um Good luck trying to spell that. Not many people know how to spell my name the best of times. <laughs> but I suppose if, if my name's in the description, it'll be easy to find that. Yes, I'll be in that. Your name will be somewhere in the episode title, probably, and definitely cool. in the episode description. So um, as long as I spell it right, there'll be no issues. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure I'll be fine. Well, thank you so much for oh, taking the time to come on. I greatly appreciate it. It was great talking to you. You are welcome to come back anytime. Uh, if you have another Metallica project, great. If not, let's just choose a topic about Metallica cool. and we'll shoot the show. Might shit. see you in five years for the Justice documentary. Who knows? <laughs> Hopefully I'm still here then. <laughs> no, thank right, you very much. Appreciate it. I want to thank Stuart Kerwin for coming on Metallicast to talk about his documentary, Hypnotizing Power, the story of Master Puppets. You can find a link to it in the episode description, so please check it out if you've not yet seen it. It is truly fantastic. It is really well done. If you are a listener to this podcast, I guarantee you will like it. Also, please make sure to check out the link in the episode description for the Swell app. This is a brand new app that I have been trying out over the last few weeks. It is a really cool way for everybody in the Metallicast Monday Show to interact with me. We leave short voice messages for each other and have ongoing conversations about Metallica Mondays, the latest music we've been listening to, and much more. So please download and join the conversation. Please make sure that you are also following Metallicast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MetallicastPod on all three. And if you'd be so kind to do so, download subscribe and leave a positive review in apple Podcasts. please leave me a five-star review all that stuff goes towards helping this podcast continue to grow and you know i feel like this show has come a long way over the last year especially and i want it to just keep on getting better and better and get a lot more cool guests 
for all of you to enjoy. Most importantly, however, please remember about Metallicast going live on August 28th at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on the at Metallicast Pod Facebook page and the Fans.Experts YouTube page. I will be joined by Scott Pingle and Doug Ryeth of the San Francisco Symphony. And the three of us will be celebrating the release of S and M2. Like I said, there will be a live chat so you can interact, ask questions. It is going to be a really fun time. So please tune in for that. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, middle up your ass. Yeah! That's not experts.